you would like to follow along this morning with our story will be in the book of Acts chapter 8. Uh, this morning we are looking at this, this one book all summer long and uh, exciting to read the stories of the early church, first century church, and we have been progressively starting with the very first sentence and It'll take us all the way up until about Thanksgiving, uh, hard to believe, but um, we'll be looking at this entire book, uh, really taking the time to understand and to hear what profound things are taking place in the book of Acts. And so I would invite you at this time, if you have uh, some kind of copy of the Scriptures, we're going to be in Acts chapter 8 this morning, starting at verse 26, and I will read that story in just a moment. Uh, But at this point in the narrative of the Acts of Apostles, the Holy Spirit, which was given at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, this Holy Spirit that is absolutely the catalyst of the church, is continuing to do new and fresh things through ordinary people in lands both near and far. It is interesting to consider the fact that it appears that this movement of the Spirit-led church in Acts chapter 8 was brought about by a great persecution. And it didn't force Christians to hunker down, but it in fact made them scatter, we read in chapter 8, verse 1. It is in a section of 40 verses, Acts chapter 8, within these 40 verses feature four different stories, about a dozen different characters and scenes, but let us be clear this morning that the main character of the passage is the Holy Spirit of God. And there is one particular story that I'd like to draw our attention to here, one that showcases just how unpredictable and uncontrollable the Holy Spirit of God can be when someone chooses to open themselves up to it, be obedient to its promptings. That story this morning is Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Acts chapter 8, starting at verse 26, says the following. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in a chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The Holy Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? The eunuch replied, how can I unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up onto the chariot and sit with him. 
This was the passage of Scripture that the eunuch was reading. He was like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch then asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and would eventually tell him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And so he gave orders to stop the chariot, and then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, then appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. I'm wondering if you can recall a physical place where you met with the presence of God. But the thing about that place, as it turns out, is that you were not particularly expecting to encounter God there. I'm able to recall a moment several years ago when a family vacation adventure brought me to, of all things, the side of a cliff, with the Pacific Ocean being the only thing below me. And it was on the side of this windy, harsh, lifeless cliff that I saw an ant scurrying around, doing whatever ants do. And God reminded me in that moment in a place where I did not expect to encounter God, that he is sustaining his creation even in the most harsh of places. He is sustaining his creation. So I could imagine that Philip, maybe you could imagine this as well, would probably not have selected on his own to travel down a desert road in order to evangelize to someone. Perhaps a public square where there are more than one person would make a little bit more sense. But, in verse 26, God speaks clearly through an angel. And so when God speaks so clearly through something or someone, there can really only be one response of us, and that is to trust and that is to act. So I ask you, what places do you regularly find yourself in, and is it possible that God's Spirit can speak to you there to reach others there? In the ordinary, daily places, can God speak to us, and not only can He speak to us in these 
ordinary places where we maybe feel like his presence isn't, do we believe that he can? And not only that, but do we believe that where there are others there, we could reach them with the good news as well? Do you yourself feel that you are in an unreachable place? It's a whole different kind of question to consider. Do you yourself feel in the place and stage of life that you're in right now, do you feel that you are in an unreachable place? Do you feel that you are too far out of reach for the love of God? The scripture today challenges us to think again. For those that like things neat and orderly, of which I am one, for those who imagine things always only going a certain way, for which I am one, I encourage you, I encourage myself to really lean into the following details of the story. God has told a Jewish believer in Philip to go seek out a Gentile, not yet believer, who was of a sexual minority and another race, and tell him about Jesus. Hear these details. Once he arrives, he finds the person reading the scriptures not in a temple, which was a massive no-no. And also, how did that person even get a copy of the scriptures in the first place? And without any form of catechism or instruction or baptism 101 class, without a local church to call home, that person, part of that minority group, part of that race, reading the scriptures not in a temple in the middle of a desert, it is that person who is baptized along a river on a desert highway not in the presence of many believers at all. And yet, the Holy Spirit of God facilitated that. The Holy Spirit of God facilitated that. God has called this person to God's self. God has called this person home into God's arms. A pastor by the name of Shannon Green, she pastors in Kansas City, Missouri. She has this to say about the radical inclusion of the Ethiopian into the kingdom of God. She says, quote, This passage reminds us to always be on the lookout for those on the margins so that they too may be included in the family of believers. This Ethiopian eunuch could not have been more of an outsider to first century Judaism and the early church. First of all, he was a Gentile foreigner. For most living in Israel during the days after Christ, Ethiopia was as distant as the four corners of the earth. His language and skin color immediately set him apart from the early Christian believers. Second, he was a high court official 
in service to the queen of Ethiopia in charge of the treasury. And at this specific time in history, the Jesus movement was made up of those in the lowly places of society, fishermen and tradesmen, women and children, the uneducated, the financially poor, and in fact, those with political clout were the ones who orchestrated the crucifixion of Jesus and continued to persecute early Christians. And finally, this man was a eunuch. Because of his physical disfigurement, he would not have been allowed to even enter the temple to worship. According to Jewish law, because of the physical disfigurement, he was quite literally cut off from the community of God's people. Yet, this high-class Ethiopian eunuch became a model for the many other outcasts and excluded people that are now welcomed in to the kingdom of God. Let the following be clear. These are my words now, pivoting from Pastor Shannon's. Let the following be clear to those who consider themselves followers of the way of Jesus Christ. It has been clearly said in this story in the Scriptures that God is calling every possible type of human being to himself. That God is offering every single type of human being salvation. And as ambassadors of reconciliation, which the Apostle Paul very clearly says that we are, you and I are called to actively work to see this type of inclusion happen in the world around you, for you to see this type of justice extension to be taking place in the world around you. And let the following be clear for all of us. Regardless of where we have come from, regardless of where we are at in life right now, God created us. God sees us. God loves us. God is calling us to God's self. And God invites us today and always to live in pursuit of Him. To live in pursuit of Him is to desire to be more like Him. To live in pursuit of Him is to live in pursuit of those whom God loves, which oftentimes are the people 
that are hardest for us to love. And yet the God who is holy and calls us to be holy in the same manner in which he is holy asks us this morning and always, will you listen to the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit tells you to go to the place that doesn't make sense, to be a person of peace to the person that you never would thought of to be before? Will you engage in this way in person? Will you engage in this way on the internet? Will you engage in this way no matter where you are, what you are doing, or who you are talking to, to live in pursuit of God? Is to look like Him, sound like Him, and love those that He loves and there is very little beyond that. <laughs>